Thank you for singing with us, and uh, man, I hope you enjoyed worshiping the Lord through song. Do me a favor, have your Bible turn with me uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. I'm going to do a small series here, kind of in between authentic and our Christmas season, uh, called Great Great Prayers in the Bible, and really wanted to spend a couple weeks here on prayer, uh, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. And so turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. If you don't have a Bible, it's probably one to share in front of you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you. I want to encourage you to get your note sheet out. Uh, it's a great way to follow along, uh, taking notes. Maybe I say something sticks out to you, write that down as well, besides filling in the blanks. Uh, and I want to remind you of a couple things, okay, that are really important to me. Um, Saturday, um, November the 15th, okay, we're having a membership class. 530 is when it starts. Uh, uh, we call it We Are Coastal. And so if you've been checking things out for a while, Coastal, and you're like, man, what's my next step to get involved? Man, that's it, okay? So that's a great on-ramp to getting involved here, finding out more about who we are, what we believe, and then how how do I get involved? Really, really want to encourage you with that. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, the 23rd, we're going to be doing our baptism service, baptism and Lord's Supper. So I just want you to be preparing for that. It's always a great morning of worship. Maybe you've been thinking about praying about getting baptized. Would you let us know that by filling out that tear off and uh, dropping that in the offering plate at the end of the service and just letting us know you're thinking about ba- being baptized and we will follow up with you. Okay, so uh, so this morning, you know, there's a couple things you don't want to hear uh, first thing in the morning, right? I remember a couple weeks ago, um, it was a morning much like this morning, about only about four or five o'clock in the morning, the wind started whipping up and it was a downpour rain. Uh, I, I said four or five, it was probably about two weeks ago. I mean, it was just downpouring. And, and, uh, and so, you know, first thing in the morning, there's a couple things you don't want to hear, right? Like you don't want one of your kids to have messed with your alarm and it was kind of a soothing wake up in the morning, but they messed with it and turned, turned it on to that blaring noise, you know, like you don't want to hear that in the morning. Uh, the first thing in the morning, you don't want to hear one of your one of the members of your family say, hey, the car won't start. Okay, that's you don't want to hear that in the first thing in the morning. And the other thing you don't want to hear first thing in the morning is one of your kids get up and go, hey, dad, there's water coming through the roof of my bedroom, right? Like, you don't want to hear that first thing in the morning. And so that rainy morning, that's what I heard, you know, and so I go in, I'm like, yeah, we got a leak. And so I get up into my attic, you know, and you know, uh, leaks on a roof, they're they're always in your attic where like it's a, you have about a foot, you know, to get to it, you know, and you're kind of belly crawling through your attic and trying to put a little bucket there to keep it from leaking. And, and, uh, and as I was doing that, I was thinking, you know, uh, crawling towards the corner of your attic, you only do that when there's a problem, right? I mean, how many of y'all just investigated the corner of your attic within the last year just because, right? We never do that, right? You only go there if there's a problem. And and actually this morning, what I want to challenge us with is, is, you know, sometimes our prayer lives are like that. Like we only really spend time in prayer like when there's a problem, like wow. And, and in fact, this morning's prayer uh, that we're going to look at, the great prayer in the Bible, is a prayer of anguish. But what, one of the things that I want to challenge us this year is, is that, that prayer is an opportunity to talk to and commune uh, with the God of the universe. It's an opportunity to show dependence on God. And I want to challenge us this year to not be a church that, man, we just pray when there's problems. You know, man, I'm in crisis mode and so I'm going to crawl in the corner. 
corner of my attic, something I don't normally do, and, you know, and, and kind of that same idea uh, with prayer. And so I want to challenge us over the next couple weeks. And I could have easily gone to the Lord's Prayer, and I have actually taught on that many years ago. But I, what I decided, there's so many great prayers in the Bible, believe it or not. And, and so I just picked three uh, that I've kind of highlighted in my reading, and, and I want to present them to you. And, and if you remember, so let me give you a little bit of church vision or big picture. If you remember, um, way back in the uh, January of 2014, I said, hey, 2014 for me was kind of the year of the huddle, okay? As a church, we had grown rapidly. Uh, we experienced a lot of changes behind the scene and here, and I was trying to figure it all out. And I said, I need a year where we just kind of huddle and we figure out structure. And if you're like, I don't, what do you mean by the year of the huddle? Okay, it's a football term, okay? So in football, you know, before each play, the team huddles up, they come up with their plan, uh, but you don't stay huddled forever, right? Eventually, you got to come out and execute the play. And so 2015, 15 for me is kind of the, the direction of executing what we've huddled up. And, and, so, uh, and so that's going to be happening. And I'm excited about that. But, you know, we can't execute a play uh, unless God is with us. Um, Psalm chapter 127, uh, the psalmist writes, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And I know for many of you, man, you're part of this church. You love this church. I don't want us to labor in vain. I want your time and your talent and your money to go towards things that, that we're joining God where he's already working, okay? And so, and so I really want us to be bathing 2015 in prayer, and I want you uh, to be a person of prayer. And so this morning, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 1 is the, what I'm calling the prayer of Hannah. And, and Hannah uh, was ultimately the mother of the prophet. Prophet Samuel. Okay, so if you read First and Second Samuel, this is um, this is him. This is kind of his story, and it's the transition of the nation of Israel from from being led by prophets and by judges to being led by kings. And so Samuel is the one who anointed King Saul, and then he anointed King David. Okay, and so the very first chapter or two of this book is the story of his mom. Okay, and and Hannah was she didn't have any children. She was barren. And so she each year went and worshiped with her husband at the temple. And each year she begged for a son. And, and each year she remained uh, not being able to get pregnant. And some of you all have walked that journey and you know the anguish of that journey. And so where we find Hannah right at the beginning is she's praying a prayer of anguish. All right, she's, she's heartbroken and she's seeking God. And it's, it's an emotional prayer. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed. You have the picture here? I mean, this is a woman who, who's, there's a longing, a natural longing in her heart for children, and she's in anguish over it. God, I just want children. And, and maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe it's not about children, but man, there's something that's, that's really, it's good and normal and natural, but man, it seems like the heavens are just bolted shut, and you're, you're asking, and there's tears, and, and when no one's looking, man, your heart is aching, and you're crying out to the Lord. And 1 Samuel 10, that's exactly, 1 verse 10, that's exactly where Hannah is, and, and the truth is, man, there are times when life is bitter, right? We talked about it in the Authentic Series, man. Life is, a, it's broken. 
There's a brokenness to life. Sometimes I think we put too much hope and too much anticipation in this life. And, and I think it's okay. We know God is good. We know God is in the process of restoring. But really, all the fulfillment of God's promises are in the life to come. And so sometimes in this journey, it's difficult. And Hannah, she's praying in anguish. There are times, there are times in your life that you know, what you're going through, those closest to you will not understand what you're going through. All right? You ever had that happen? Hannah had that happen. She, th those right around her, they have no idea what she's going through. I love 1 Samuel 8, okay? She's praying, and so it's a couple, one verse back from the prayer of anguish. But yeah, her, her husband, Elkanah, now just so you know, um, I talked to Pastor Joey and Pastor Andrew about how to pronounce this man's name, and none of us knew. So that's a lot of Bible education, okay? So going forward, we're just going to call him Elk, okay? Because I don't know how to say it. Uh, so Elk, her husband right here, so she, he approaches her in 1 Samuel 1 verse 8. He says, why are you crying, Hannah? And Elkanah would ask, he says, why aren't you eating? Why are you so downhearted? Is it just because you have no children? So he's understanding what she's going through. And then he does what a typical husband does. He, he gives one of the most ridiculous statements in the Bible. So men, don't ever say this, okay? Uh, this is like men being men, okay? So here's what he says. You have me, right? I mean, what's he, like, I do that sometimes. I look in the mirror, I'm like, honey, you got all of this. You know, like, all this is yours. Isn't that enough to just encourage your heart? Now, there's, I believe there's a part here that I'm just going to give a little, uh, there's a part that we don't get in Scripture here. It's the, you always do that. You don't listen. Now, we don't get that part, right? But you know that's going on, right? What are you talking about? He says, you have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? There's going to be times in life you're going through something and even those closest to you, and I believe her husband was a good husband. And we see that because he's, he takes his family and they worship at the temple. It's an annual event. I believe he's a godly man. But there's time the people that you're closest to, they're not going to understand what you're going through. That happens. There's moments that, that you're going to, the, the challenge that you're facing, it, it feels lonely. And Hannah felt that. Even her high priest didn't understand what she was going through. You know, the, the godly person, right? Sometimes uh, one of the things that intimidates me being a pastor, there's times where people come to me and they're like, hey, Pastor John, can I meet with you? And they sit down and talk to me. Like, I'm, I don't have all the answers all the time. I feel intimidated by that sometimes. And, and even her high priest didn't understand what she was going through. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12 says, As she was praying to the Lord, Eli, this is the high priest, he watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought... This is an interesting line. He thought she must be drinking. She's drunk. Look at that. What is wrong with her, right? And so she thought she must be drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded? Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying at with great anguish and great sorrow. Church, there's times when you pray that, that really the people around you on earth, they're not always going to understand what you're going through. For, for Hannah, it was, her, it was her husband and her high priest. Neither of them got it. And I've got some really great news for you, okay? 
And, and here's where I got to kind of run this prayer through the New Testament. Okay, the New Testament talks about we have a perfect high priest. In fact, when we pray, running us through the New Testament, we, we pray in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ. Why do we come? Why do we enter the presence of God in the name of Christ? Well, first of all, our God is holy and he can't have sinners in his presence. So the only reason we deserve to be in his presence is in the Jesus name. I know uh, as a pastor, sometimes I get, to, I get asked to pray at community events. And I always tell people, look, I'm going to pray in Jesus name. Okay, you got to know that on the front end. Why do I do that? Because Jesus is the only name in which I get to enter the presence of God. And so, and so I've got, as I take this prayer, I run it through the New Testament. You want to hear some great news? We have a high priest that completely understands everything that we're going through. Isn't that amazing? Our God is not detached from what we go through. Our high priest knows our anguish. Our high priest knows what we're going through. Jesus Christ has gone through everything that you go through. Now, maybe it's not every actual event, but he knows every actual piece of suffering that you might be going through. Hebrews chapter 4, talking about our high priest, verse 14, says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet without sin. We pray in the name of Christ, our high priest, who understands our anguish. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, the author of Hebrews says this about Jesus. It says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and with tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest. Why is he the perfect high priest? Because he went through difficulties. He went through challenges. He ached as we ache. God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. We, when you're an anguished church, you have the perfect high priest who understands what we're going through. You enter the presence of God in his name. Is that incredible or what? The God of the universe hears and cares. The second thing I want you to see about Hannah's prayer is the prayer of dedication. All right. So as she prays, she prays for God to give her a child. And she dedicates this child to the Lord. First Samuel chapter 1. This is why uh, Pastor Jeff reminded you all from the parent-child dedication coming up. This is a great passage of scripture we look at of a, of a mom who dedicates her child to bringing her child up in the ways of the Lord. And so First Samuel 1.11 says, She made a vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you and he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Now, that's, a, that's called a Nazarite vow. You remember uh, in the book of Judges, there was a very famous judge who, who never cut his hair. Anybody remember who that was? Samson, right? And so it was kind of a vow of being dedicated to the Lord. It means some other things, but that's the bulk of it. So she's saying, basically, I'm dedicating my child to the Lord. Now, if one of my kids ever comes to me and say, Dad, I'm taking a Nazarite vow, I'm going to say, no, you're going to go see the hairstylist. Okay, so uh, anyway, it's a joke. Anyway, so um, this is a prayer of Hannah that says, your will be done. Okay, this is a dedication. It's got, I, I'm asking for this, but any, and I'm going to come back to this in a minute, but any gift that you give me, I hold on to loosely. Ultimately, uh, the, my request for a prayer of you is, is a prayer that I rest in, the, in your sovereignty. Our prayers, church, need to be 
bracketed with the understanding that the purpose of prayer and the goal of an answered prayer is to bring glory to God in all things. And so as Hannah prays and she prays for this child, she prays with it being bracketed of, I'm going to dedicate this child to you. God, ultimately this prayer request is to make sure that Jesus Christ is glorified in all things. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6. He says, uh, the Lord's Prayer, which many of you know, may your kingdom come and may your will be done as it, on earth as it is in heaven. Our prayers, church, need to be bracketed with this idea that the, the goal of the answered prayer is to bring glory to God in all things. James chapter 4, the author of James says this. You, he says, someone talking about prayer, he says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for uh, because you don't ask God for it. And then he says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that your friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? It, I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Last fall, I did a series called Pure, and we talked about being pure, the purity we need to have from the world. And so James here says the reason you, you, uh, you, God's not answering your prayers is so often your prayers are not really not dedicated to the glory of God. So often your prayers are about you. And you're, you're so connected to the things of the world. And, and in our Pure series last year, I, I preached out of 1 John chapter 2, okay? And I don't have these in your notes, but you want to write these down. And, and John writes in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, he says, this is what it looks like to be in the world. In the world, man, you pursue physical pleasure or what the Bible often calls the lust of the flesh or you're pursuing the craving of what you see. Church, we're being bombarded by the media and it's kind of the culture we live in, you know, that we're told, man, don't ever be satisfied with what you have. The spouse you have, the life you have, the house you have, the car you're driving, the clothing you're wearing, whatever it is, man, don't be satisfied. You got to have more and more and more. And it's the opposite of contentment. And so often our prayers come from a discontent for things of the world that don't last. I'm not concerned about the glory of God. We're concerned about me being comfortable and me having more stuff. Paul, author of James says, that's why you don't have what you ask for. You pray with this worldly mindset. John goes on to say in John, 1 John chapter 2, you know, you, you, the world is pride in your achievements and pride in your possessions. And Hannah prays a prayer of dedication. Hannah says, listen, I, I really want a kid, but only this kid, this kid belongs to you, oh God. Right? I mean, let me, let me ask you a question. This is a rhetorical question, so you don't have to answer out loud. Is it okay to pray for healing? Right? Like, I think it's absolutely okay to pray for healing. I think we should pray for healing. Why do I think that? Because I believe that the God we worship is a good God. And I think that sin and brokenness and disease and all this stuff is a, is a part of the curse. It's a part of the fall. And so should we pray for healing? Absolutely, we should pray for healing. But we have to pray with it being bracketed with the understanding of the glory of God. Okay, so what does that mean? And by the way, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're physically suffering, do I think God's going to answer the prayer of healing? Yes, 100% yes. The issue for me is I don't know the timing. Will you be healed tomorrow? Maybe. Be healed a month from now? Maybe. 
Will you be healed 30 years from now? Maybe. Or will you be healed in the life to come? I mean, are we really, are we really willing for the prayer of suffering to be answered in eternal life? Because there is where I know it absolutely will be healed. All the promises of the blessings and goodness of God will be found when his kingdom, when our faith becomes sight and his kingdom comes. So can we pray for healing? Yes, but it's got to be bracketed. And that's part of the problem I have with so much of the teaching that I see on TV that God wants to bless you and God wants to give you. and God. Yes, but I don't know the timing. And by the way, it's only in Christ that those things find their fulfillment. And it's got to be bracketed with the, our prayers need to be bracketed with the understanding that we need to be patient. And God, by the way, did God spare his own son from suffering? No. So why do we think we won't suffer from time to time? Why don't we think there will not be anguish as we journey? Why do, and by the way, doesn't God usually get greater glory when it comes through difficulty? Yes. So why is it that we never bracket our prayers with the understanding, God, even in difficulties, am I going to pray for healing? Am I going to pray for things to be easier? Yes, but I pray with the bracketing of at the end of the day, what's bigger is that you get glory in all things. And if it means I endure with patience and suffering, trusting in your sovereignty and trusting in your timing with the bigger picture that God will be glorified in all things. Does that make sense, church? And so as we pray as a church for what God's going to do in this church body, we pray with this understanding, God, no matter what happens, whatever, whatever the journey, you're going to get glory in all things. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The author of Hebrews says this about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this. How do we run this race of endurance? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And now he talks about how Jesus ran with endurance. Ready? So he says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross and disregarded its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. There's, there's a lot of, uh, man, there's a great teaching point there. How did Jesus endure the cross? What was it that kept him going? The joy set before him. See, our endurance comes from the idea that we have a bigger picture of what God is doing. What's the joy set before us? The joy set before us is one day God's kingdom is going to come. One day all right is, all wrong is going to be made right. One day the glory of God is going to be seen perfectly, even through difficulties. And so as Christians, and I used this many years ago, it was a theme of mine for a year, we zoom out and we see the bigger picture of what God is doing. And we say, man, I'm a part of what God is doing. And even in difficulties, I I keep my mind, I keep my thoughts, I keep my eyes on the joy set before me that one day in all things God is going to be glorified. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Joy is not, is not always immediate pleasure. Joy is seeing the big picture. And so Hannah's prayer is a prayer of dedication. God, you, I'm dedicating this child to bring glory to your name. Here's the third thing and final thing I want you to see this morning, okay, because God answers Hannah's prayer. And there will be times when you pray for something and God will answer your prayer. And so there's some great uh, teaching and some great understanding here. What do we do when God answers our prayer? Okay. So <clears throat> the first thing is there, our response to answered prayer. What's our response to answered prayer? First Samuel chapter one, verse 24. So Hannah gets pregnant. She has this child. She dedicated this child to the Lord. <clears throat> said she was going to bring him back to the temple, dedicate him to the Lord that way. And so when the child was weaned, 
Verse 24, when the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle of Shiloh. They brought him along a three-year-old bull for sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After Verse 25, after sacrificing the bull, they, uh, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me, Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy. He was granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Okay, a couple things I want to pull out of this passage. Number one, Hannah held her, uh, held her answered prayer, held her blessings, held her, held her gifts with a very open hand. Okay, she was open-handed with the blessings of the Lord. Hey, Lord, this, this answered prayer, this gift from you is from you, and I hold on to it loosely. Pastor Joey sent me this quote this week uh, from Corey Tinboom. She said this, she said, hold everything in your hands lightly, otherwise it hurts when God pries your fingers open. You know, there's a lot of truth in that, right? Like everything. Like I'm a parent. Like, do I really hold my kids loosely? Like they don't belong to me. What if God decided to take one home to be with him early? Like how would I respond to that? And my stuff, and my resource, like, do I really go, God, this is, this is held loosely. I thank you for it. It's a blessing. I count every moment as a blessing, but it really, it, I'm a steward of everything that you've given me, including my family, including my house, including my job, including my financial resources, including, and on and on it goes, God, it's all, really, I'm a steward, and however you see fit to bring glory to your name, and I, I hold loosely to the blessings you've given me. That's, the, that's what I see here out of Hannah, right? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge because what happens when we get a blessing, we just want, man, I don't want to let go of this. And Hannah, man, she, she, she's very open-handed with the Lord. There's some many passages of Scripture talks about, man, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Why? Because he's about bringing himself glory and using our lives to do that. James' passage reminds us of we're, you know, we have to be very careful with blessings because we become self-consumed in our motives. Second thing I notice is she gives a praise report, right? So when God moves, she gives a praise report. Like a lot of times, God, there's something we've been praying for. God moves and we, like we don't, we forget about the praise part of it, right? She gives a praise report. She goes back to the priest. She says, man, remember I was up here praying and, 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 um, and, she, and she says, and now we're going to worship. We're going to praise God together. God moved. I had this prayer because he moved. I want you to think about that for a minute, okay? Think about this. You enter into the presence of the creator, God of the universe. The Bible says our lives are like vapors. I mean, in a very, in a very real sense, maybe from God's perspective, like it could be that our lives are just like, they're a little insignificant. I'm not saying they are, but in the bigness and grandness of God, like here we get to enter his presence with our little prayer request. And we enter in, and then he, he, the God of the universe leans in, he lends his ear, he answers our prayer, and we forget to say thank you, right? Like, we have to, we have to be cautious with that. We have, to, we have to be careful to make sure, man, we're, we're giving thanks to the God of the universe who cares and hears and answers. And so we're open-handed, Hannah's open-handed, and we give thanks. And then she worshiped God with others, okay? So she called others, she said, listen, listen, this is what God did. We're going to praise God together about this. 
And she worshiped God with others. And so, which leads me, and I don't have time to read the whole passage. I wish I did. This is your homework assignment, okay, to read the first 10 verses of 1 Samuel chapter 2, okay? But she prays a prayer of praise. She prays a prayer of praise. And, and there's three takeaways as you go home and you read this today, okay? So that's your homework assignment. You're going to go home. You're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 2, first 10 verses, Three takeaways as I read 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 10. First of all, she recognizes the sovereignty of God. Okay, when we pray and we pray a prayer of praise, we recognize, man, God, you you can do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it, however you want to do it. He's completely sovereign over all. The second thing she prays is that she reminds uh, others as she's praying this prayer of praise in community. She says, God doesn't share his glory and his praise with others. We worship a God who doesn't share his glory. One of the things I often say uh, is, is uh, I use the word a glory robber. We have to be careful if the God of the universe in the name of Christ answers a prayer of ours that we're not robbing God's glory. When it, the idea there is that we're humble. If, it, if there's a, a measure of success going on in your life, okay, you need to be reminded that's the glory and the goodness of God. I was reminding my son yesterday, we had traveled to Richmond, we played a miserable, our team played a miserable soccer game, we got crushed, and I reminded him, you know what? How great is it that we have the athletic ability to go play soccer? Not we, you, okay? So, I mean, we can no longer run. So, um, <laughs> Right? But I had to, I had to remind because it was rainy and it was windy and we got slaughtered and it was easy to come out and we did a little bit of that. But then reminding, you know what? There's a lot of kids in the world that don't get to run around a soccer field. Like, how cool is that? So we, you know, we got to be careful that we're not glory robbers when God answers our prayers, right? And three, we, uh, out of the second chapter, verse, first 10 verses, that Hannah in her praise, she reminds her, herself and her hearers, that we ultimately depend completely on God. At the end of the day, we depend completely. And really, at its very heart, that's what prayer is. It's conversation with God and it's dependence on God. God, I can't do it. Remember what Jesus, when he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our what? Daily bread. My guess is... 95% of us in this room today really don't have to pray, give us this day our daily bread, right? I, I mean, I probably have two weeks worth of food in my closet. My wife's like a couponer, you know, so we got stacks of bulk food all over the place, right? Which is great stewardship, but, right? I mean, it, not too many of us have really experienced, like, God, get, like, I, I need food today, and I'm going to trust you. And yet, that's the kind of dependence, and, we, and God, our God is a good enough God that a lot of us aren't there, and I praise God for that, but man, give us this day. And so Hannah, in this final prayer, prays with a dependence on God. I'm going to close this, and we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to close the story, and then we're, we're actually going to close with prayer. And I'm going to give you guys a minute uh, uh, just to thank God in your heart and in your mind, because I'm sure that every single one of us in this room has something we can praise God for. Uh, but have you ever, um, you ever wanted to treat your kids to something you know they want? Like, 
hey, Dad, can we get, get, can we get some fries, right? And so you're like, yeah, you know, you need to go to the place that gives the best French fries, which we all know is McDonald's. Okay, so you go to McDonald's, right, and you get the best French fries, right, and you get your kid fries. You get them a little ice cream. Hey, then we'll go to, you know, wherever, Sweet Frog, Stone, uh, Cold Stone, whatever. I was about to say Stone Cold, okay, but whatever, Cold Stone, and um, get them an ice cream, or you get them a pack of candy, we'll get them some M&Ms. And you're driving home, you say, hey, you mind if I get one of them fries, right? And your kid looks at you and goes, what? What do they say? Nope. What do you mean, child? That always gives me a problem. And, and there's really four reasons. I wrote four reasons down. Why, typical preacher. Four things why that troubles me, okay? Uh, number one, I don't need your fries, all right? If I wanted fries, I'd have gotten my own fries. Number two, all right? You didn't buy those fries. I bought them fries. They're really, your fries are my fries, all right? That's why it troubles me. Number three. I brought you into this world. <laughs> this is being videotaped. I'm not going to say the rest. All right, so. And number four, like, it just kind of hurts me that you're selfish. Right? Like, I, just how about, yeah, Dad, they're yours. You want one? You know, I could have bought my own if I want. I just wanted one, you know. Of course, my kids know me. Give me the rest of them. Man, they are good, you know, type thing. That's why my kids, that's why they don't share. Fair to fairest to them. But. And sometimes, man, my children, I'm not throwing them under the bus because I, I'm lumping us all together, but sometimes my children, man, they forget, like, who's the boss and how much dependence they really do have on their parents and, and how much really they do depend completely on their parents to provide for them which is super cool as a dad because that's a really intimidating thing that it's my responsibility to help provide for them and I live in this world that's really uncertain and yet I get to depend on my heavenly father who's really, it's his responsibility to help me steward with the gifts that he's given. Like all that, see the downline? And so I get to go, hey, God. And so sometimes like I, I'm like my children with the fries as God, you know, I'm 45 years old and God just continues to provide for us and provide for us through recessions through difficult, you know, the list goes on and on. Watch God provide and provide and provide. And I wonder, man, have I stopped to give thanks? Just a moment of thing. Hey, hey, Sean, listen, I need, I need a fry. No. Right. I need some of your time. No. I need a little bit of your financial resources. No. By the way, God doesn't need any of it, okay? It's just an opportunity to join him and where he's moving. But, man, I'm just like those kids sometimes. And so my encouragement to us as a church as we grow in our discipline of prayer, and today was a little bit of a theology of prayer, is that we'll be challenged to respond as Hannah responded, that she was open-handed with her blessing. She shared her praise with God and with others, and she worshiped God and others as she finished her prayer of praise to him. So here's what we're going to do, okay? Everybody bow your head and close your eyes this morning. If you're a guest here, this isn't going to get weird or anything, okay? So just relax. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to close this with prayer, but before I do, I just want you to take a minute and think about a blessing of God, an answer of prayer. It doesn't have to be out loud. In fact, it's probably better if it's not. Just in your heart and in your mind. Let's just take a minute as a church and say, thank you, God.
Thank you, God, for giving us this day our daily bread. Thank you, God, for shelter. Thank you, God, for employment. Thank you, God, for an amazing country that you've blessed us to live in. Thank you, God, for the men and women who serve this country. Thank you, God, for the times I've needed endurance and suffering, and you have granted it. Thank you, God, when you have relieved the suffering in ways I did not expect. Thank you, God, for the blessing of family. Thank you, God, for endurance when I've been lonely. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for a community of faith where we gather in unity and we worship you. Thank you, God. We want to be open-handed with our blessings so that we bring glory to you in all things. Thank you, God, for the story of Hannah, a great mom who prayed in anguish and then celebrated when you answered. She was not a glory robber, but a person who recognized the character of the God that she worshiped and gave him praise. That's the kind of church we want to be so we close with giving you thanksgiving and praise. And we enter your presence, holy God, in the name of your great gift to us, your son, our high priest, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for enduring the awful weather and joining us for worship. I want you to know we're not after your money. Uh, this is just one of the ways we worship God at Coastal Community Church, and if you'd like to join us in that, uh, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, on the side of that bulletin is a tear-off. If you do me a favor and fill that out, drop that in the offering basket, and we just want to send you a thank you card for coming. If you're here this morning, maybe you walked in this morning and your heart is heavy and just like Hannah, man, you got a heart of anguish and you'd just like to pray with someone. We always have our prayer team members that are up here on the front row. You can come during the offering, you can come in the last song, you can come even after the service and they would love to uh, minister to you in prayer. Uh, you'll know them because they're usually wearing a purple shirt and that's how you know who they are and uh, man, they would love to pray with you. All right, so uh, we're going to go out singing this morning as they take up the offering and with that, I'll turn it over to Pastor Joey. <laughs>